We've actually been integrated and adopted what they consider to be important. There's some people that said, I'm not going to tell you, I've called places that wanted me for revival. And they said, well, we can only have you for three, four nights. The days of the two and three week revivals are over. Why? That's part of the Laodicean church. They don't want to unsettle the congregation or the laity. I'm here to tell you, this is for the sinner. It ain't for you. We're supposed to be laborers together with him. But the people of the Laodicean church had considered important what was important to the world. Security. Equity. Protection from financial loss or pain. And God said, either you destroy your enemies or I'm going to do to you what I was going to do to them. Because the longer some of us live for God, there is a gradual blinding from the God of this world. The God that once called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. The prayer closet that we once visited is now barren and cold and silent. The reason that it's going to not go well with some of us is because there's only one revelation where God gave of Himself. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 says, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman. John 1 and 1 said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 5 of that great chapter said, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. When the devil goes to shed darkness on your mind, if you're not into the Word, and you're not into the Spirit, and you're not into the things of God, you get darker and darker and darker and more oblique and more depressed, and it gets more hopeless. When it really comes down to you haven't killed all the enemies in your land. And he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. There's some congregations that don't even understand when God's moved in. There's some people that don't understand when God's lead them to a deeper place. My God, let us get awakened tonight. But as many received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. You want light? You want to come out of your closet? Get in the midst of the light with Jesus Christ. Let God arise in your heart and your enemies be scattered. But like it was in Laodicea, they'd learned to coexist with their enemies until Jesus was on the outside. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and men love darkness. Who brings darkness? 
If our gospel hid, it said to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Darkness. We don't come to God because some of us love darkness. I believe that you have a desire to live for God. That's why you're here tonight. But some of you have enemies in your land that it's about time. You look at them eyeball to eyeball and say, I don't care if I'm 80 or 18. We're going to get things straight. God will do the fighting as long as I'll be obedient. So I can possess the land. That's why we're not having revival. We're integrated with the enemy. I'm going to tell you what. I never met this preacher. I'm going to tell you what. I love his spirit. You know, it takes a tough man to pastor in a city like this. This is, I'm going to tell you something. I, this is what I told him. This is what I feel. This is an angry city. There's, there's anger here. It's right under the surface. Man, what's you looking at? That's why we hit bitterness so hard last night. There's a lot of bitterness in this city. But the precious blood of Jesus Christ renews us from day to day. Put away your calendar. Put away your scorecard. Every day is fresh in the Holy Ghost. Let manna be manna. Let water be fresh. And go on unto perfection. It's not the will of God that we sit around and do a rally over standards. Paul said, going on, leaving those things behind, going on in perfection. But so many of us struggle with darkness that we have to go back and reassert what's truth. And if you just get on board, we can streamline this thing and make a revival out of it. According to Vine's expository dictionary, an idol is a phantom, a phantom or a likeness or an idea or a fancy. Romans chapter 1 where sexual immorality in the body of men and the body of women had been corrupted through homosexuality. It was the purest and most filthy form of idolatry, self-worship. It is a sin of the mind against God. And immorality and sins of the flesh are traced to a lack of gratitude and acknowledgement of God. The idolater is a slave to the depraved ideals and ideas that his idols represent. You want to know why this nation is bombarding young people, old people, everybody with sex? It's because it's the most perverted form of idolatry, the worship of self. It'd be enough to worship an animal or a four-footed beast, but when you worship your own depraved ideals... You've warped creation. You've recreated creation to darkness. According to Webster's Dictionary, an idol is any object 
of ardent or excessive devotion or admiration. And the idolater, according to Webster's, is a worshiper of idols, a devoted admirer. This American thought that's coming in with the New Age order is be all you can be. Do your own thing. Be your own boss. You are the most important person. God helps those that help themselves. That's not even in the Bible. Look out for number one. If you don't take care of number one, nobody else will. My Bible says cast all your cares on Him for He loveth you. He careth for you. He gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, and He will lift you up in due time. But we've got pride and lust and unbelief among us. The devil said in Isaiah 28, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. God says, no, you won't. Get down. More churches have been built on pride than a burden. The New Age movement espouses God is within you. Find your inner you. Get in harmony with cosmic reality which is inside you. It's a lie. It's darkness. It's an old woman in a new dress because the God of this world has blinded the minds of them even though their spirit says, I want to worship. I want to know Him. But you and I know Him tonight. We know the power and demonstration of His Holy Ghost. How be it that you sit there unmoved Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. Where's 20th century man? He's reading the stock reports, wondering how he can get a raise. And I know that we need to have stuff. I didn't see anybody come in here barefoot. Anybody in here come in here barefoot? I'll see if you can fit in my shoes. I got an extra pair. I'll give them to you. Anybody come in here without a coat tonight? The church of Laodicea had learned to coexist with the world. And it didn't bother them. They had taken on what the world took on as deeming important. Money, security, walls built around my life so I don't have to be bothered. Jobs, cars, homes, hobbies, recreation, minimal denominational standards, rock music, rebellion, deception, lust, carousing, rebellion. does idolatry start brother Mayo I think Jesus Christ said it best of all it's not what goes in a man that defiles him it's what comes out of him idolatry starts in the heart of man and find its fulfillment in the mind and this is why 
And I'm closing with this. This is why the enemy in blinding the mind. You see, it's not that people don't want to love God. I heard somebody say, and I, I thought it was rather profound, they said, you know, I know we're told to hate sin, but, but why? Sin is pleasurable for a season. But sin separates us from God. But here is the more powerful flip side of that. Because it was God that told us to hate sin. It separates Him from us. Because He loves each and every one of you. And He loves 5.4 billion people. Humanity is locked in this web of intrigue. See, man wants to worship. That's why, you, I don't care if you're in New Guinea with a bone through your nose or you're in downtown Buenos Aires. Man wants to worship! And so, the devil blinds the mind, darkens the mind, because the mind is what makes the decision, the final decision of what you will do. It's the seat of the mind, will, and emotions, the soul. Religion today is not spiritual, it's soulish. That's why there's a lot of denominations that think that, man, we're true worshipers. We're, no, you got a little bit of truth. But the true worshipers have spirit and truth. God was anchored in the Old Testament by mercy and truth. Before you ever got to the tablets, you went through the mercy seat. Jesus Christ was the fulcrum of all time. Grace and truth. And in the New Testament, through His Spirit, it's spirit and truth. Truth has always had an anchor. And if it's not balanced out, you're a wacko. Where our shirt sleeves drag the ground and our women's hair are like Rapunzel's. I don't care. If you don't have grace, it's a false balance. And that's an abomination. And people can't grow in the grace of God. And people can't live and move as precious plants because they need to be watered in spirit and truth. And there's some men that don't know how to control but nothing but truth because grace takes a great price tag from a man. There's a lot of preachers, but there ain't many ministers because the process is lengthy and arduous. Oh God, I want to be a minister. God, I want to feel pain. God, I want to have compassion. God, I want to know what you know. God, I want to feel as you feel. Not only the power of your resurrection, but the fellowship of your sufferings. You're right, I'm not a general conference. But the whole body of Christ needs to hear this, and me included. Hallelujah. Sin separates God from us. What a different concept. You mean God really wants to have fellowship with me? There's 5.4 billion people that are lost because they want to worship, but the God of this world has blinded their minds. Buddha, Tao, Hinduism, on and on and on and on and on. But we are the remnant. 
that shows forth true light. Let's stand tonight. Hallelujah. 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 I do not enjoy preaching in such a way that people feel beat up. Because in some cases, that just exacerbates the problem. There are many among us in our churches that are isolated. time out of your week weekly schedule to be with us you know I have been impressed by the attendance of this church I know that sometimes Thursdays can stretches between Wednesday and Sunday can get a little tough but I'm glad that you've decided to be in the house of the Lord tonight hallelujah Acts 17 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. You know, I'm convinced that if people really knew what they had, they could do more. If people really knew who they were, they could be more responsive to a world that's lost. And so it's incumbent upon the ministry to help people understand exactly who they are and what they've got. Praise God. Sometimes the best way to do that is to show others what they don't have. And hold that in comparison to what we do have. Praise God. Acts 17, begin reading. In verse 16, of course, a very important portion of Scripture, Paul at Mars Hill. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons, and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Others, some he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Aren't you glad that you heard about Jesus Christ and the resurrection? Hallelujah. Skipping on down to verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. I looked up that word superstitious and it it's made up of two words. The word in Greek means, or is pronounced, desidemion. And it means to fear a demon. That's what superstitious means. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you. 
God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that He is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though He needed anything, seeing He giveth to all life and breath and all things, and is made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the fa all the face of the earth, and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after Him, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. What a word of encouragement and hope from the lips of the Apostle Paul. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance, everybody said at the times of this ignorance. And the times of this ignorance God winked at. That means God overlooked. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Hallelujah. Drawing your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Man, I feel good in the Holy Ghost tonight. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 3, the Apostle Paul speaking, But if our gospel be hid, speaking of the apostolic message, it is hid to them that are lost. Now a lot of you have wondered why you can't get through to your neighbors and your in-laws and your family members. Maybe it's your husband or your wife or your kids. Verse 4 gives us the answer. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I want to speak to you for a few moments tonight on the bondage of ignorance. The bondage of ignorance. Father, we love you. We praise you. We stand in your awesome presence once again tonight, thankful that you are in our midst, O oh God. Hallelujah! For in you we move and breathe and have our being, dear God. Hallelujah! We are thankful, O oh God, that you have made yourself available to us. Pull us out of the pit. Shine the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ into our hearts. We thank you, God. We pray that every heart and every mind will be in tune, God, with the power of your presence and the word of God tonight. We ask it humbly in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. The bondage of ignorance. In this portion of Scripture that we have Paul addressing the Epicureans and the Stoics, uh, in order to properly build a foundation here, we have to adequately give you a correct background of exactly where Greece was in its heyday. It had become the bane of the Hellenistic age that they were given over wholly to idolatry. And as this great and chiefest of all apostles moved through the cobblestone streets, he saw the icons and the statues on all sides 
and saw that this city was wholly given over to idolatry. Much like our world today, with the football stadiums and the graphic images on billboards, we can see that a nation in which we dwell and are a part of are wholly given over to idolatry. But Paul addressed the philosophers of the day and went to a place called Mars Hill and began to unveil to them in their hearing the unknown God. Hallelujah. Paul preached to them a message. I've heard some preachers say that it's probably homiletically. Uh, that means the way that you divide up a sermon and break it down. It is probably one of the greatest messages that you will find in all the epistles, including the book of Acts. And I would concur with him for its content surely cuts to the heart of the matter and brings the good news to these people. Hallelujah. We see that these people had fallen victim to our second scripture that I read in your hearing tonight. How that the God of this world has perverted the mind of man through darkness and has caused him to not have the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ shining in their hearts. Just to give you a very small cross-section of where man is across our globe tonight, I want to read to you several groups that are steeped in idolatry and in paganism tonight. Most of this we will, we will be familiar with. In Hinduism, it is really a polytheistic social caste system. What does that mean, Brother Mayo? It means that they worship many gods. This was most like Greek mythology where Paul was situated when he quoted this great portion of Scripture in their hearing. Because polytheism means that there are actually many gods. And in Hinduism there is virtually a god for every emotion and every thought and seemingly everything under creation. Hallelujah. Part of their social caste system and social structure is based on the fact that if they are born into the bottom of the social strata, there is no movement up, there is no movement down. The what you're born into, you're locked into it. I'm thankful that when God baptizes you with the Holy Ghost, friend, that changes. Hallelujah. In Buddhism across our world tonight, they believe in various forms of self-denial. would be a very perverted form of holiness and holy living. And they uh, believe in the decrees and teachings of one that is called Buddha. In Taoism, a Chinese religion that advocates simplicity and selflessness, they too espouse a doctrine of self-denial. The Muslim faith follows the teachings of Muhammad. Allah is their God. I'm told that a very good Muhammadism person will pray five times a day. I understand it's hard to get some of us to pray even once. But these people will pray to their God five times a day. The American Indians, which offer us a very graphic example of a people and most of our culture today in the West and in the Southwest is steeped with their influence upon our culture. How that they made gods of the sun, gods of the clouds, gods of the birds, gods of the seasons. The list goes on. <coughs> they were polytheistic, polytheistic, many gods. And then we have Christians, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
And if you're a true Christian, you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. There are thousands of other groups of time, if I had time tonight to break it down for you, that exist across our globe that believe in one form of God or another. Maybe by the devices of their own heart. Maybe the devices of their own hands. But man seeks to worship. Hallelujah. And then the most perverted form of worship that has been known to man is atheism, in which there is no God. And I will not elaborate upon that filth tonight. But hallelujah, you and I that are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and are filled with the power of His Spirit have the greatest treasure that is in earthen vessels. You didn't just come in here by rote and by habit. That's what the God of this world wants you to think. You came into the church of the firstborn. Hallelujah. You need to know who you are tonight and what your job is here. Hallelujah. Why is it that man seeks to worship God? The Bible tells us in the very inception of God's creative powers in the book of Genesis that He formed man out of the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils to become a living soul. Man in his essence is a spiritual being. According to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, man is composed of spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. Man is a spirit. Genesis 1.26 says, Let us make man in our own image. John 4.24, the Bible says that God is a spirit. Job 32 and 8 says, There is a spirit in man. Proverbs 20 and 27 says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And so we see that at the very essence of every human being sitting here tonight, there is a spirit in the core of your bosom. Hallelujah. That's why in the final dispensation of salvation that God had to make His Spirit available because that's the only thing that could regenerate the deepest part of man. For it's the Spirit of man that communes with the Holy God. Hallelujah. Then man is composed of a soul. It is that component within man that deals with himself. Genesis 2 and 7 the Bible says, and man became a living soul. Deuteronomy 13 and 3, the Bible says to love the Lord with all your soul. Matthew 16 and 26 says, for what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Hallelujah. The soul is composed of the mind and the will and the emotions of an individual. But this is the part that the devil focuses on to make an individual blind to the power of the gospel. And the body of man is the house. It is the temple. It is the fleshly tabernacle in which man relates to terra firma or his physical world. Genesis 2 and 7, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 says, I pray that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless, blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not a human trinity tonight, but you are made up of three components, spirit, soul, and body. 
And it's the soul of man that the devil or the prince of the power of air seeks to darken your understanding so you lose this tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every man will worship something. Why, preacher? Because man's a spiritual being. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John 4 and 23 says, And the true worshiper, worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Truth is needed to direct the individual to the Father, which is a spirit. I don't preach some sloppy, charismatic soup bowl of nothing but loving spirit. And neither do I hang around a legalism and formalism that is so cut and dry that you can't live it because the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. But the perfect balance is in relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ because He came by grace and truth. There's so many people in our world today that can't make the proper balance because they're so cookie-cutter sharp on truth or so sloppy with jewelry and the confines of the world in grace. But the balance is in Jesus Christ. He came by grace and truth. John 17, 17 says, Thy word is truth. Why have so few actually found the Father in worship? You see, there's a tremendous difference, friend, between praise and worship. All you got to do to be a praiser is be breathing. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. But that Hebrew word for worship means totally on your face in total surrendering to a holy God. I wonder how many of us are really worshipers tonight or we just make a lot of noise with praise. And you wonder why you got so many problems and you're plagued with all the situations of the soul. Worship and let the Spirit cleanse the soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says that if our gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Because the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. It's within the bosom of every man through his spiritual makeup to worship the living God. I do not believe that the people that are stuck in Buddhism, Taoism, or any other ism that's in our world tonight actually want to be in a false doctrine. Because if you were to stop them on the street and said, hey... What's it like to worship God? They would read you their whole book because they honestly believe they're worshiping God. Do you understand the value of who you are tonight? There's power in your soul. There's power in your life. God has made you part of the living Christ through His body. This treasure is in earthen vessels. But the only point of contact that could, that could cause the human soul to go down a different road and knock on a different door is to blind the mind. Though man's desire to seek God remained after the fall of Adam, the fall had brought deception and darkness to human understanding. I don't believe that people that are worshiping in some denominal deal really believe they're lost. 
That's why Paul said, put on the helmet of salvation. Because the devil's told some of you, you ain't saved. That's why you have a hard time functioning in the body. You're still questioning whether you're saved or not. It's a tactic of the enemy. And it was never the will of God. Hallelujah. God said, casting down imaginations. When you forfeit that, you forfeited your position. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that God has revealed to us the power of the Spirit and His identity. Hallelujah. Praise God. In the book of Exodus, we have probably the greatest Old Testament type of God's delivering power bringing out a people. You have to understand something. There have been 400 silent years. These people could not really identify with God. They were going on the, the old wives' tales of the past, believing that there was a God that was going to give them a promised land. They had never seen a move of God for themselves. And yet through the mouth of Moses and through the display of power given in the court of Pharaoh and Jambres and Jannes, God began to unveil His power and certainty unto His people. Hallelujah. And here they are on the other side after the most powerful deliverance in the Old Testament. And God gave this commandment unto His people. For mine angels shall go before thee and bring thee unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perseites and the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them, and quite break down their images, and thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in the land, lest they make thee to sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. God was saying, you've got to totally get rid of all these people. All do the fighting. You just be obedient. Because they will actually be a snare unto you to become polluted. Hallelujah. 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 The book of Numbers chapter 33 says this, Then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you. God was telling these people that when they cross the Jordan and go into Canaan land, that this is exactly how we're going to take over the land. Then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their pictures. Hallelujah. That word pictures in the Hebrew means a figure carved on the stone or the wall or any object. Figuratively, it means anything in the imagination. A image or a wish. You are to destroy all their molten images and quite pluck down all their high places. And you shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein. For I have given you the land to possess it. And you shall divide the land by lot for an inheritance among your families. But if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you let remain, listen church, those that you let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. Moreover, it shall come to pass that I shall do unto you as I thought to do unto them.
You see what happens when an individual repents and is baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. You may be delivered of some things. I was delivered of some things. But not all things are under the Spirit's dominion. If that were the case, we'd come in here, we'd go out and win this city in about a week. Because there'd be nothing to stop the flow of the Holy Ghost in all its fullness in your life. But when you get the Holy Ghost and you've crossed Jordan, there are still some enemies in the land. The Perseites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Odysites. And God leaves them there so that in the process of your growth, they will monitor your growth. Because as you begin to grow spiritually, you start to butt up against things. Things didn't bother you when you were first a new convert, but you give three, four, five, six, seven months. I'm having a problem in this area, Pastor. It's because the enemy has left, has been left there. So that God would monitor your growth to see if you would trust Him. Or you would join allegiance with the enemy. And God was telling His children, you better utterly destroy them. Lest you end up worshiping their gods. And that's where some of us are tonight. We're under the dominion of Babylon or Assyria or Egypt. God strictly forbid communion with any fellowing nations lest they should go after strange gods. That's why the first commandment said, Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. In case that one slipped by, he said, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Because all the other neighboring nations, because of the delusion that the God of this world had blanketed their minds with, had formed it by their graven image and made Sargon, Dagon, devils of the other world, in which they caused their children to pass through the fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I marvel as I read through the Old Testament the power of God's love. Now this, I may be a little bit different than some folks. I know I am, thank God. Aren't you glad not everybody's like me? Aren't you glad not everybody's like you? But after reading the Word of God and seeing God's compassion towards Israel, it almost appears that God is seeking a lover. A faithful lover. And even after Israel went back and made allegiance with Egypt under Isaiah's ministry, and they were steeped in idolatry once again. God began to unveil through the words of a prophet 
He said in Isaiah chapter 40, To whom then will ye liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Isaiah 40 and 28 says, Has thou not known, has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is He weary? There is no searching of His understanding. Isaiah 44 and 6 says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. The gods of all these enemy nations, whether it be lust, whether it be hatred, whether it be fear, whether it be money, whether it be bodily appetites, they don't exist. I alone am God. Verse 10 of that chapter said, Who has formed a God or molten a graven image that is profitable for nothing? Isaiah 44 says this, And the residue thereof he maketh a God, even his graven image. He falls down unto it, and worships it, and prays unto it, and says, Deliver me, for thou art my God. There's nothing greater of a stench in the nostrils of an, a loving God. Matter of fact, he called it the unclean thing, than idolatry. Now, I'm losing some of you, I can tell. Whenever anybody walks in and breaks everybody's attention, I'm losing some people here. But could it be that you've made allegiance with some harboring enemies? Because either they're going to destroy you or you're going to destroy them. God was doing His, his very best to reach out to His own people. In Isaiah 45, he said, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. God was saying, you're mingling with other gods that don't exist. I'm your lover. I'm the one that's reality. I'm the one that's true. I am the first. I am the last. Beside me, there's no other God. Let's get this thing straight. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do these things. Remember the former things of old. I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none else. I'm praying that you can identify your enemies tonight. I don't know how everybody preaches and teaches on Revelations chapter 3 about the seven churches. I've heard some men say that we go through different stages, seven periods of time, church stages. I've heard other men say that all seven churches existed at one time. We've just all gone through the ages together. I'm not saying I really know. But I will tell you this. If there ever was a Laodicean church, I've looked at it eyeball to eyeball. What really was the problem with Laodicea? You may think you know. I may think I know. Let me read it to you. You don't have to turn there. You'll 
Hallelujah. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest. These people did no action, but they did a lot of talking. You're all talk! You don't want to show up for outreach! You don't want this revival to go on, you're all talk! Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods. I want to ask you a question. What does the world want? 